from Fastermind.co. This is Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. I'm Dane Sanders. Converge is a show about that space, that tension between the stuff you make and making money or something valuable from your stuff. The show lives where creativity and business collide, giving all of us the opportunity to rethink how we work and live in the digital economy. We live in a tough moment. I mean, so much is available to us. It's so easy just to take it for granted. I mean, the phones that we have in our pockets, our ability to access products on Amazon or people, people who are celebrities and we want to reach out to them. We can actually have access in a way that we never could before. And it's tempting to believe that this is just normal, like that I have at my disposal anything I want at any time. But of course, It's a misnomer. It's not totally true that if I live an entitled life, I'm going to be pretty discouraged. And when you think about creativity and business, especially, that's where it gets really tough. Folks who are starting out in business right now, when they have so much, they're actually at a deficit. It's really tough. Well, my guest today is Vincent Puglisi, and he's written an amazing book called Freelance to Freedom. And the reason I wanted to have him on is... Number one, he comes from a background in photojournalism, photography, which I love, that connects a little bit to my past. We talked a little bit about that. But far more interesting than that is how he went through a process, a very doable and practical process, to go from an award-winning photojournalist making very little money to a place of complete and utter freedom when it comes to creativity and business. And as you hear this brief conversation, I think you're going to come out on the other side, not only feeling encouraged, but very hopeful that these ideas, this pathway could be a path for you. Vincent Puglisi, thank you for joining us here at Converge. Thanks, Dane. Thanks so much for having me on. It's so fun. I don't always get a chance to have photographers on the show. That's where I got my start, though. And it's fun to me because you come from a certain family of photographers, the photojournalist world. In fact, that's the world that I was most inspired by when I started getting into wedding and portrait work. And But it's an interesting dynamic, in, as you know, in our world, because there's a little tension, even though we're all part of the same kind of, you know, use camera to create images. It's like, it's tribal. Like there's, you know, there's wedding photographers and then there's photojournalists and never the two shall pass. And once in a while you get a, you know, wedding photojournalist, but I think you guys probably poo poo them and we might too. And it's a funny little world, but that's where you come from. And now we're friends. I'm so excited to get into this conversation. Absolutely. I mean, it's so funny. It is oil and water. A lot of ways you'll meet people like, Oh, you're a photographer. Like landscape. I'm like, that's not even in our world or like weddings or journalism. They really are different professions in so many ways. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, someone saying they're a writer and like, what do you write? Well, I write history textbooks. And what do you write? Well, science textbooks. Oh, well, that's nice. Like we have textbooks in common, but (laughs) that's that's about it. Yeah. But I have so much respect for you and what you've done. And we're going to get a chance to get into your brand new Freelance to Freedom book. But this combination of both creating You happen to create with a camera and you happen to be part of an industry, but it's the business side of the equation where we have a lot of common ground. And that's where I'm super excited to get in. But for folks who haven't discovered you yet, can you just share a little bit of your background, your training in photojournalism and how that eventually led to you getting to a place where you you're publishing Freelance to Freedom? Yeah, absolutely. I was pretty much your typical 22 year old slacker. I dropped out of college about five times in New York. I just struggled all through high school found out the day before graduation that I was graduating even high school. So I didn't know what to do. And with one conversation with my dad at a really low point where I just questioned everything I was doing, he basically said, he goes, I said, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And he said, well, you like taking pictures and you like traveling and you like sports, you know, why don't you become a photographer? And it was really, I was at such a low point that 
I said to myself, I'm going to do this. I said, I'm probably going to fail because I failed at everything else that I've tried so far, but at least it sounds cool. It was the first thing that sounded cool that I tried. And I was a sports fan. So I just said, you know, I just dreamed for a minute. I'm like, instead of sitting on the couch watching the games, like, what would it be like to be on the sidelines? Like, I allowed myself to dream, like, for the first time. It was the first time I, I just tried. I said, I'm going to give it my all. So the next day, I bought a camera. I bought a real camera. And I would just buy tickets in New York to, you know, a Yankees game or a Mets game. And I would sneak down to the front row, you know, four or five nights a week. And I would take pictures from the crowd. And I would just bug the photographers in the wells. I would just ask them questions. What kind of film you use? What about this? And that's the first year of my career is, is how that started. Well, so I'm hearing a couple things in that, that first of all, if people are at home and they're listening and they're like, I'm stuck, I'm frustrated, I feel like I'm doing the same thing and I'm getting nowhere, that there was a catalyst in your dad saying, hey, what about this? Kind of a what if question. Yeah. And that led to a couple things. I'm hearing you describe an openness and a, an enthusiasm. And I think that enthusiasm gets understated. Like you had to do a lot of work. Like you got the camera maybe, but you had to figure out a way to get into those games. You had to hustle. You had to be kind of that low guy in the totem pole who was asking questions of the veterans. You're probably getting blown off half the time. And other times you might get lucky and get a little insider help. Talk a little bit about what were the ingredients in those enthusiastic days that help you get traction? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it's the momentum and the enthusiasm. It really was because I still remember going to community college and I would, you know, back in the film days and I was processing my film and I went and I photographed Michael Jordan and the Bulls in New Jersey at the Meadowlands. And I came back and I'm processing my film and I had a picture. It was a a decent picture at the time for me. And I remember one of the girls being like, man, I wish I could do what you're doing. And I remember thinking, why can't, like, I'm not making any money. Like, why couldn't anybody do this if they really wanted it? It's just, I really wanted it. I really wanted to go do it. And I didn't care. I meet so many people now starting in the photography business, like they want to make money right away. And I get that. But make money somewhere else in the beginning. Mm. But go do what you really want to do. Like figure out that dream and do it. That money doesn't matter yet mm. at that point. That, and I know that's probably smacks of some business advice, but that's what was the best thing for I got a job as a waiter and as a photo tech at a store, you know, mm. processing film. Mm. That's how I paid my bills while I shot these games. Mm. I didn't expect anybody to pay me for my crappy photography at that point. Mm. Well, let's talk about that because, you know, all of the stereotypes, unfair stereotypes probably around millennials being kind of entitled and they should be able to get paid right away and whatever. I actually have a lot of empathy and sympathy for folks who really have been handed, especially from a technological perspective, a lot of power, like what cameras can do today versus back in the day. And uh, it's just, it's amazing. And at the same time, I want to camp out just for a minute around this phrase you use, really wanting it. Because I think people saying with passion, I really want it, is very different than regardless of what you're saying, showing up five nights a week and not getting paid and still doing it. So can you talk a little bit about that kind of that chutzpah or the grit or whatever you want to call it that drove you? If you can even like kind of geolocate back to that day in your life. What, it's what, painful. What did that feel it, like? Yeah, talk about that. Well, because I think a lot of people that I grew up with, you know, they had a lot more success than I did in school. And there was a kind of a certain expectation. You know, I had this GPA or this connection. So I kind of not saying that they expected it, but I didn't expect anything. I was so low and I had such low expectations for myself that as funny as that sounds that I really had the opportunity to say, well, what do I want? What is the one? Like, I wasn't stuck in an accounting job at 22 wearing a tie. And like, now I got to quit a job where I make 60 grand to really go do it. I had nothing. So it was almost the best position I could possibly be in. Like when you have nothing, well, what do you want to create? And I think a lot of, you know, I don't know about millennials, but high school people, they're in such a beautiful position. When you have nothing, you've got nothing to lose and don't settle for something that's just okay that your parents want. Like my parents didn't, 
but they supported me very well. But this was the way I went about it was not their dream. You know, they were worried for me for, for many years. Now they're very proud. They've been. But in the beginning, it was basically I had nothing to lose. And I had to really, I really got the opportunity to shape exactly what I wanted to do. So really wanting it. And I love that phrase when you have nothing to lose, or even the phrase, I didn't expect anything, that expectation or entitlement. And what I'm hearing you say is that was an asset, yeah, not a liability. Oh, yeah. Because I had a few friends that were starting it and they were dabbling in it. But like, you know, my dad, I'm, I work for my dad's business and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the track to get this position by this point. And I remember thinking, I feel bad for you. Because they really wanted this. And I had, yeah, I had so much more money than I did, but they, I felt like they were kind of stuck. They were trapped because they really couldn't just go do. So, I mean, during that time that we're talking about, I literally just got on a plane. I had a couple hundred bucks and I flew to the Midwest and I drove and I went to like nine different stadiums just to go photograph in different stadiums besides New York. And it was on that trip at the very end in Green Bay that I had this chance encounter with a guy from NFL Films. I got a press pass from sitting in the crowd and got to photograph my first game from the field at Lambeau Field because of that. Wow. And that the pictures from that game are what got me my lead into a, an internship at Newsday in New York. Never would have happened if I didn't just have nothing to lose and just do it. So I'm hearing a couple of things that. One, the break, it might have been lucky. And this is cliche, mm-hmm. right? People talk about this all yeah. the time. Like if you really work your tail off, luck comes more often. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that makes sense to me. I want to go back just one last question on the whole, I didn't expect anything thing. Is it too far, do you think, to call that a prerequisite to success, to get to that place of, because it sounds like not a too far a step from humility, like to get into that position, it's not just an asset, but could it actually be required if you want to see a different kind of, like an unpredictable success or an unlikely success? Is humility required for that to happen? If you were lazy and as unsuccessful as I was at that point, yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. I think people can do it without it. I think some people are much more driven and much smarter than I was at that point, but I needed it Mm -hmm. because I had nothing else to fall back on. I just can only speak from my experience. I needed it. Mm -hmm. I know if I was just getting paid a decent amount of money at a job and I could be like, okay, I'll get married and you know all this stuff and I'll have a job and I'll work in the... I never would have done this. Mm -hmm. And I don't look back like, man, I'm so glad it happened because it really could have went a really different direction if that didn't happen. If I didn't really just give it everything I got, everything I had, but it, I would have just been just typical. But that pain of like, wow, I've really failed and I really need to do this. I can't understate it enough in terms of how much they helped me. That makes sense to me, man. I, it, there's something about, you know, and I think you're right. Like there are certain people that just have stupid talent, like ridiculous, and maybe mm-hmm. they get to be lazy or they get to be arrogant. I'm not sure. I just know I'm not that talented. And <laughs> that, that, me too. <laughs> and that, I guess, is a gift. And I guess maybe we could even frame that up as we turn the corner and start talking about freelance to freedom and what you've created for people and even your own story. Maybe we could pre-qualify it for our audience and say, look, hey, if you're at home and you're listening and you actually are that one who you're the the Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Kobe Bryant, I'm trying to pick all the regions in the country to to make fit, yeah. you know, or Dwayne Wade, if you want to travel, we're not talking to you. We're not talking to the super talented. We're talking to the talented enough and really giving a roadmap for how to get from whatever current reality is to an unprecedented future, that there are some kind of concrete steps. And in looking at your book, Freelance Freedom, I was so impressed by the methodology, kind of how this could work for so many people if they slowed the train down enough to consider it. So talk a little bit, first of all, let's talk about the unprecedented future. Your current reality is very different than those early days when you didn't expect anything. What does life look like for you right now? 
it's weird. It's weird to even have these conversations because you feel like it's a different life. Life right now, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Elizabeth, 15 years. We have three boys. They're 12, 10, and 6, and we homeschool now, which we've done for three years because of the freedom that we've been afforded. And we pretty much, in terms of photography, we shoot what we want to shoot. We don't shoot what we don't want to shoot. That was a prerequisite for us as we planned this out over the last 10 years. We basically said, what do we want life to look like when this whole thing started in terms of our business? And we wanted just freedom. We wanted to not worry about money. We weren't worried about wealth. That was a big deal. I hear so many people say, oh, when I had this many, I don't, we didn't care about money. We wanted to not have money worries at all, no money problems, and we wanted time, freedom, and we wanted choices for ourselves and our family. And just those three things led us to, you know, now we're taking, you know, after the book launches, we're taking three months off and we're traveling out west. Hopefully, me and you can meet up. I hope so. I hope so, we're too. In California. So we're going to Arizona and California and somewhere not decided yet. And it's just amazing. I get to help people and teach people on this and the book and everything coming from that. It's really kind of bizarre. Well, I love the distinction you're making that freedom doesn't equal wealth, but money can be freedom. So can you say just one more comment on that? Because I think when people, it'd be easily missed. I think there's folks at home that when they hear these kinds of conversations, they kind of have two responses. One is, it's not true. And this guy's just, you know, all hype. And I get it, honestly. Like, I, it's funny, you and I, before we started this, the on-air conversation, we are talking about, I've told the story tons of times. I was walking through Costco and I saw, I looked over and I saw Tim Ferriss for our work week. And I remember picking it up and staring at it and saying to myself out loud, if I buy this, this is the last time I'm doing it. I'm so tired <laughs> of like yeah. reading somebody else's success story and having it not work for me. And uh-huh. it's funny, it, did, it really it transformed a lot of things for me. It's what led to my own writing efforts and I look forward to the day I finally connecting with Tim and, and telling him this stuff. But I know I'm one of you know thousands of people who these kinds of things opened up for when the right things connected. And that's what it was for me. It was a combination of timing and openness and probably a little bit of a beatdown. Mm-hmm. I was kind of ready for that. That kind of didn't expect anything kind of thing was really helpful for me. But what I don't want to miss in this moment is you are not saying get rich quick. So this is the other response, no. right? The reason people kind of are, they might be tempted to roll their eyes is they're they're thinking, oh, this guy's trying to say get rich quick. That's not what you're saying. And the, oh, other, not at all. And the other part is there's some folks that are home listening and they're, they're just, their interest is getting peaked. And that's kind of all I want to encourage right now is just hang in there with this conversation because I have a hunch if you don't put it in the rich quick category, you have something to gain here. But just one last comment on how this isn't about rich, it's about life. It is. It's the exact opposite of get rich quick. What we learned quickly was the money that we had already committed to and, and the struggles that we had put ourselves into, that's what held us back. It wasn't wealth. It wasn't this desire for wealth at all. It was like, how much could we possibly live on? And what, what happened was, and we'll, I'll fast forward, my wife and I both worked in a newspaper together. You know, I, everything went well for me, got, you know, won all these awards, shooting sports, but I wasn't making very much money. And my wife and I both worked in a newspaper in Indiana. We were making 32 grand a year each at this newspaper in Evansville. And I had just won International Sports Photographer of the Year. And our first son, Andrew, was about to be born a month later. And I got a 3% raise for winning this award and having a baby. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. This is my dream. I have four babies and 3% doesn't cut it, man. (laughs) No, no. And and I said to my boss, I said, you know, 3% of your salary might be something, but 3% of nothing is still nothing. I said that, you know, I was kind of arrogant, but I was scared. And so my wife wanted to stay home. Elizabeth wanted to stay home. and, And what do you do? And another conversation with my dad, and he gets all the props on this 10 years later. I called him up and I said, can I do some side work for your business? He had his own business in New York. And he basically told me, no. He said, you haven't worked here in 10 years. You don't know what you're doing. And I have to retrain you and it doesn't work. But 
he said something that changed my life. He said, he goes, you know what? He goes, you have a skill, but you're not using it the correct way. And it might have been the most important thing that anybody ever said to me because I was settling for a low paying job. I was obviously at this point pretty good at what I did and I was ambitious, but I was settling. I was really settling for what they said I was worth. So that day we started our own business, our own photography. As scared as we were, we knew nothing about business. We picked up four hour work week, rich dad, poor dad, all those books that I never knew before. So instead of focusing on photography for the first time in my life, I focused on business. And what I learned was our money and our time were completely killing us. And I was trading essentially 11 hours a day for $100 to do what I wanted to do. Mm. So what we decided to do was, and this was the big thing, if anybody could take this away from it, is we lived off of my salary. Elizabeth left their job and we started this business nights and weekends and mornings. And we decided what we're going to do is this. We're not just going to blow this money. We are going to take the business money and we are going to pay off all of our debt with that money. I don't care how painful it is. We're going to pay off our debt. We're going to pay off our house. And we're going to become free because I know once we're financially free, we can live off of very little and still succeed. So three and a half years later, we paid off everything, including our house, just with the business money and quit our jobs. I quit my job. And right after that, the economy collapsed, 2008. It didn't affect us at all hmm. We because we could live off of three grand a month. Now, when you can live off of three grand a month, it's really easy to make 10 grand a month because you're not stressed about all the things everybody else is stressed about. Hmm. And that's what really elevated. So it's the opposite of get rich quick hmm. <laughs> in terms of our story. That's incredible. Okay, so let's do this. And before we get in, we're going to get into the five stages of the freelance to freedom idea. And in a second, Vincent has graciously offered to share these things with you guys. But I don't want to give a false impression here that you're going to hear the ideas. He's not nothing to hold back. We're happy to share everything here. But I don't want you to miss that it's not the hearing, it's the doing. And if there's some resonance in this for you, here's the punchline. Just go to Amazon and buy the book in advance. Like, go get it before it comes like pre-order, know that it's coming, start working these ideas. And then you'll be like someone who's running up to the starting line and grabbing the book as you're going across the starting line. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, and, and you guys will be really glad you did. I'll be back with the rest of the conversation right after this short break. This episode of Converge is brought to you by White House Custom Color, the most customer-centric photo lab around. They just do it better. If you are a professional in need of any images in print, whcc.com is your answer. Either use them yourself or make sure your photographer does. whcc.com, the official sponsor of the Business of Creativity podcast. Have you invested in conferences or workshops that left you empty-handed? There was great content and you had great ideas about what to go do with it, but no change actually happened. That's not okay. At Go Summit, we're committed to helping you take action. To do that, we add personalized coaching and customized marching orders alongside the inspiring speakers, amazing location, and fun networking events. Honestly, there's nothing quite like it. Register today before tickets sell out at fastermind.co forward slash Go Summit. Talk us through, Vincent, the five stages of freelance to freedom. What we figured out was as we, you know, I wrote on this for four years before I even started on a book. I just kept taking notes because people would just ask me questions. You know, how do you, how are you able to charge these rates? How are you able to have so much time off? You know, and this has only been the last, you know, eight, 10 years of our life. Before that, it was a struggle. It just, but it just multiplied and multiplied. And all of a sudden we have something. But phase one is essentially where 80% of the population that are employed do not like their job. Most people are financially strapped. 
I just saw a study that said if 50% of the country was strapped like with an unexpected $500 bill, they would have to borrow money to, to pay for it. I mean, it's, it's insane. Most people are stressed on their time, they're stressed on their money, they're stressed on their health. So that's where phase one is, where you're in this job that you don't really like, you have something else that you want to do, but the same thing I hear over and over again, there's no time and I have no money. And so phase one walks you through all of, not just the physical things to do, but the mental things to do. Because we talk ourselves into these problems a lot of times and we don't even realize it. You actually walk them through the process of how, if they have no margin with time and money and they're feeling disproportionate stress, how do you reverse that? Yeah, I was in an interview last week and, and a guy asked me like, I know what the question is going to be. I've got no time. And essentially, I just said to him, the average American spends five hours a day watching television or surfing the internet. <laughs> and he just went silent yeah. because it was like, oh, yeah. And we can, like, but I have an hour commute. What do you listen to during that commute? Do you listen to music or are you listening to a podcast that's going to help you or an audiobook? Mm. Huh? You know, little things in terms of, and also in terms of what you do with your money. It's kind of an eye-opener when you realize it's probably your fault and not somebody else's fault. And that was the hardest part for us. So when you start going through those things and you get rid of the excuses that come with where we all were at at that point, you start seeing this stuff. And then phase two goes into starting the business, all the problems that come with it, the hurdles to go over. That's phase two. Phase three is optimizing that to where you start making more money with less time. And then the ideas start coming because once you have money freedom and you have time freedom, then you get mental freedom. And when you get mental freedom, that's when the real ideas start happening and explodes. That's phase four. And then phase five is basically time, money, location freedom, which we didn't even know was a phase until we got in there. We're like, wait a second, this is the end of it. You keep growing. I'm constantly growing, doing new stuff. That's a real quick overview of what the phases are. Well, and you, in our emails back and forth, you were saying that you might want to give folks at home some kind of starter piece with this. What were you thinking about in that regard? Yeah. I mean, we get asked that all the time. So I said, and I'll send you the PDF if you want to share with anybody in your audience, which is basically the top 10 tips that we learned. Because what happened with us is this, I was a sports photographer and I made no money as a sports photographer, but it was a great loss leader for the rest of our business. You know, when you have a picture in Sports Illustrated in Pittsburgh, they go, you photograph Sidney Crosby, you're good enough for our daughter's wedding. So that would make us money all the time, constantly. So what happened, we made no money with the sports. It was a couple hundred dollars a gig. What happened was I teamed up with a guy named Kyle Schultz who does online courses for parents, which I know nothing about for photography. Well, we teamed up and we did a sports course teaching parents how to take better pictures of their kids. So instead of me pitching Sports Illustrated for a couple hundred dollar assignment, we figured, well, there's about a million parents that want to take better pictures of their kids playing sports. So with that and that information, the same information that I shot sports with, I would make 32 grand a year at the newspaper. We made 32 grand in a day with that course. Mm. That's phase four and phase five. So I basically put together the top 10 tips that I learned in that process. And I would just be thrilled to share it with your audience. Oh, you're amazing. Okay. So if you're at home and you're hearing this, go to the show notes for this show. It's at fastermind.co forward slash podcast and look for the Freelance to Freedom Vincent Puglisi episode. If you're listening to this down the line, it'll be there. Quick download. It's free, no opt-in, just grab it, because we really want folks to have the opportunity to begin the process. And this is the last thing I'd love to just chat about is, and you've referenced this a couple times, that this is not binary. It's not like I do a thing and I'm done. Mm -hmm. This is like a cultural ownership of a way of being. And I'm wondering if you could just talk about that, like almost like as a life habit, how would you describe, because I have a hunch, as you're living this out, you might discover six, seven, or eight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, 
there's been a whole other book that's come into my mind in the last six months and just what I've learned from this process. Mm. And that's what I love. Like people are like, oh, I want to retire. Like I never want to retire. Mm. I am looking forward to what I'm doing next and how we're doing things. What I've learned is I had to go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And there's that great book by Carol Dweck about mindset. And we teach this to our kids. And for such a long period of time, I had a fixed mindset. It was somebody else's fault. It was somebody else's reason why I couldn't do it. And then when I owned it, and that's part of it in the book, is like when I owned all of it, it's all my fault, even when it's not, it changed everything because it, you know, it changed me from being a taker to a giver. I'm naturally very selfish. I'm just selfish. It's, I think a lot of us are. And when I went from being like, I want to give first, I want to help other people out. I want to see what I could do for their stuff. It naturally just comes back to you. And it took me a long time to learn that. And at first it was kind of calculated until I changed my habits to that's who I want to be as a person. And it's hard to admit that, that, that you're selfish, but I just, it just is true. Well, it's freeing. I know I can relate to that. I'm, my wife will tell you, that's the easiest survey It's just ask my wife the truth. Yeah. We joke all the time when I'm doing something selfish, she'll write me a text and say, oh, give, 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 never take, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I know that just because I have my a disposition, because often as I've done kind of some homework on my own life and this, there's reasons why. And I had some kind of deficiency when I was a kid and I was really, I felt like I, if I was eating, I need to kind of smorgasbord myself like just get as much food because i was scared i wouldn't get food it was survival and it's not that my mom didn't provide for me but i was just kind of in this state of kind of fear and that's played out there's a lot of grace in understanding why folks might have a disposition towards taking over giving but that's just the starting point you can interrupt that and i love your referencing to carol dweck's work with mindset and we'll put that in the show notes too it's a great book and even your notion of being a giver over a taker one of the authors bob berg we had of the go-giver on the show a while back go-giver versus go-getter is a big difference and it is mindset and in all these ideas i can't encourage you guys more what vincent is talking about is the path forward it is the way to navigate Whatever moment you're in, if you feel like there's no chance, you're totally stuck, you got nowhere to go, you do have somewhere to go. There is hope, but there's also a process. And whether you employ Vincent's ideas or someone else's, we've referenced a lot of them on the show. Would you take action? Would you get after it? Because you don't have to live the way you're living. There's a way to interrupt it. And I am just so grateful to you, Vincent, for what you've done. And in your, you mentioned stadiums a few times, dude, I'm a fan and I am cheering. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I just so hope more and more people take advantage of this and really get after it. And we got to figure out a way to get you out to go, man. Like I think the Go Summit in January, this is the kind of conversation we're in all the time. And you're one of our people, man. We Even though I'm ex-wedding photographer and you're a photojournalist, I think we should have a beer and hang out. That's what oh, I think. When you have the right mindset, it all blends in correctly. <laughs> and, I, and I had to learn that. But I think you're so right. I think so many people are kind of stuck and it's kind of more of a hopeless thing. Yeah. And it's a matter of like, and that's why I kind of love doing this now. And I really was quiet on my voice on this for a while, but I realized I really am in a situation that if I could do it, anybody can. Because when people read it, and the first half of the book is my story. And when you see it, you go, he didn't have that. I grew up in a ritzy Long Island area, but we were not ritzy at all. So it was actually harder because we had nothing when we saw everybody with everything. And it's just nice to be able to take this and take the message and learn something and help other people with it. I think that's a phase five thing where it's like, you're not worried about yourself anymore. It's like, how do you do this to kind of empower other people with it? So I just appreciate you having this conversation with me. Well, a lot of folks are going to benefit and certainly I have already. So thanks all you're doing. Keep making this ruckus, man. We need it. And I can't wait to find a way to meet up in person soon. And as well, I will also, in terms of the download, I'm going to give away, if it's cool with you, I, yeah, like, of course. I like to give away books at every call. So if I can give away 10 books to anybody that's part of this that gets the download, I'd love to send that out personally to them. 
Okay, that's incredible. Okay, so maybe we will then put an opt-in so we can get your guys' emails. Or maybe we can you can either just get it, but if you give us your email as well, we'll figure out a way to get those out to Vincent and he can grab 10 books. It's so generous to you, man. And for sure, for sure, you guys, go to Amazon.com, pre-order the book, Freelance to Freedom by Vincent Puglisi, P-U-G-L-I-E-S-E, the right way. And Vincent, is there a site online that we should point people to for the, is it for the book or for you? My name, which is not the easiest to spell, vincentpuglisi.com. But if, I don't know if you want to put a link in there, but that pretty much has all of our information, our blog and everything like that. We will do that for sure. Thanks so much for being here, man. Thank you. This was episode 12, season three of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. Converge podcast is brought to you by fastermind.co, where we help entrepreneurs go from knowing to doing. Get started free today by finding out your Fastermind underscore. Go to fastermind.co. Music for this episode provided by triplescootmusic.com. What does your story sound like? This episode was mixed and produced by Podcast Fast Track.